Welcome to the Millionaire Secrets Podcast, where the most successful people in the world share their secrets to help you create the awesome life you desire. What is up, Millionaire Secrets audience, my Entre Nation fellowship out there? Welcome back to another episode of Millionaire Secrets. Your host, Jeff Lerner, with you yet again. And I am riveted by my guest today. Um, because as I was just discussing with him, I've actually been a, a fan and a customer of his for years. He literally has had a physiological, biomechanical, salvation level impact on my life. He like saved my hip from certain destruction. We'll get into how that happened. Um, but Mr. Mark Bell, welcome to Millionaire Secrets. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Great to be on your show today. Yeah, it's great to have you. Um, you know, those, the, the world out there who's in my, my sphere and my audience knows that I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really into fitness. I'm about as into fitness as you can be when you're naturally just a very bad athlete, <laughs> but you just love training and sports. And um, so it's a, it's a real passion of mine. So it's, it's great to have you on the show. I mentioned uh, how you saved me. I've got my slingshot right here. I want to dig into all the history and, and the science of this, but uh, my actually my chiropractor recommended this to me because I was having glute hip problems. And I'm trying to remember what muscle I was, what muscle, what are the, what are the little weird muscles in like your upper butt? I, it was one of the, one of those was, was too weak. And he said, you got to do this slingshot and it, and it's made all the difference. Um, that, I don't yeah, expect it's great to, that it helped a lot. I don't expect yeah, it's great to that it's helped a lot. You know, I, I, I created a lot of the, uh, I created, a, I created a lot of the products, uh, to help lower the barrier of entry into fitness. Cause you know, I think one, one thing that is a real limiting factor on any motivation that you might have. And I, I just don't even know, I don't even know if we even think about it that much, but a motivational killer and an inspirational killer is uh, just wasting a lot of energy on stuff. And so something like the hip circle, the what you, product you just held up right there, the uh, slingshot, which is a supportive upper body device for bench press, push-ups, dips, those things. And we make knee sleeves and elbow sleeves. If I, can just, if I can just put you in a little bit better mood for your workout, how much more efficient is it going to be? You know, and if I can have you have a better workout for the day, what better mood will you be in for the whole day? And so that's... Uh, that's my goal. And that's, you know, when I communicate with people, when I, whether I'm doing a seminar or talking on YouTube or something like that, um, that's all I'm trying to like gift people is, um, just feeling better because people ask about motivation all the time. And I am a believer in motivation and I like getting doses of motivation here and there. However, I think you're better off looking at it maybe from a slightly different uh, standpoint of just kind of, uh, almost like a positive energy uh, type of deal. So if you're supplied with the proper nutrition, if you have proper rest, I mean, motivation is just not a factor. Motivation might be a factor, like in the summer when it's really hot and you go to walk outside and you're like, oh, but why is that a factor? The factor is because it's uncomfortable. Where do you go to go outside in Minnesota in the middle of the winter and it's freezing outside? It's like, that's going to be a little too uncomfortable to uh, do your exercise. And so that's all I'm ever trying to do is lower that barrier of entry into uh, making things a little bit more comfortable, whether it be diet or whether it be uh, your training. You're like, um, 
You're like fitness Prozac, man. Just making everything feel right, better, right? <laughs> um, yeah, That's no, it's, I mean, it's amazing. I, and literally, I mean, not to like geek out on the, on all the weights and strength and stuff, but I mean, literally it's this device probably added 40 or 50 pounds to my squat just by using it consistently. So, uh, it really works. And, and I'm curious, actually, what, what I have a million questions. Like I said, I, I don't want to, I, I almost feel like I'm doing a little bit of a fan geek here, which is, it's maybe silly that I'm a fan geek of, of a hip circle inventor, but, um, no, it really made a positive impact. So, so here's, what's interesting to me about you, you know, superficially as a, as a, you know, viewer from afar is like, and there's a few guys that have done this, but you've taken this, this passion, this thing that a lot of people get into, you know, there's a lot of people that get into fitness. Um, and I remember even when I started getting into working out and stuff in high school, I remember even once telling my dad, like, um, you know, dad, maybe I could be a personal trainer. You know, it was like everything I got into at that time, it was like, oh, maybe I can do that. Maybe that'll be the thing. Cause I had no idea what I wanted to do. And I remember my dad actually, he, he wasn't too positive about it. He's like, you know, personal training is like a, it's like a, I mean, it's a hard gig. It's a grind. You, you know, he kind of explained the economics of it and you don't really control your clients. You don't really control your money unless you go independent. And then you're always having to worry about a facility and like, you know, he kind of steered me away from that idea. But within that, what I find is, you know, people that get into fitness and decide they want to make a life out of it, they either end up frankly struggling as, as like a trainer, uh, which is just hard. It's kind of, I used to be a jazz musician. It's kind of the same type of gig. It's freelance. You never know where you're kind of next, you know, your client could quit at any time. And unfortunately fitness clients do tend to quit pretty often. Um, but some people, they find their niche and they really innovate, create a ton of value. I know people that have started meal prep companies that blew up um, and, and, or come up with a technology or you know, created an app. And in your case, uh, created a, I guess it would be a, I don't know, what do you call it? A, a device, a mechanical device or a set of devices. Um, how did you, yeah, how did you, how did you get into that, man? How did you, how did you sort of transcend this, you know, fitness common, the common fitness professional experience and become, you know, an elite creator and, and value creator in that space? Um, I really just, I, I enjoy working out a lot and, uh, everything that I ever created, uh, all started out with, you know, playing around in the gym, just, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of my, uh, uh, my kind of testing ground is, is to just try stuff out and to, uh, explore and to play with different concepts and ideas. And so, um, I just always had ideas when it came to fitness, when it came to strength training, because I started when I was 12, I'm 43 now, uh, I competed for 30 years and in that time frame, uh, things get beat up, you know, uh, I've hurt my elbow before I tore my tricep. I tore both my biceps. I tore both my pecs. I tore my hamstring, uh, tore a hip, hip flexor muscle. I mean, I, I've torn a bunch of stuff. And so I, I realized that one of the, one of the tough things about just life in general, you can kind of make a metaphor transition over into just life in general. Like one of the tough things is just to endure. It's just to be around for a long time. My uh, my mother in law, she jokes a lot. She's uh, 
she's in her 80s and she was like, I was never considered a pretty woman. She's like, but I outlasted. <laughs> she's like, everybody else my age is pretty much dead. So <laughs> she's like, I, I've outlasted them. And, and now here I am because she's like, I'm just simply not fat. You know, I'm not overweight. I'm not out of shape. And so, you know, men her age, you know, find, find her attractive. But I think when it, it can be true of fitness in general and it could be true of strength training or true of just learning. Uh, maybe, maybe owning your own business and being successful with it one day. Like I think everyone's uh, not everyone, but I think for the most part, people are always striving, uh, you know, for the stars and they, they're, they're like trying so hard to, to be the best or be in the best shape or make, you know, a million dollars or whatever it might be. And I think they're missing out on the fact that that would be cool if you made a million bucks, but there's also nothing wrong with making 70 K for five years and working your way up the ladder and making 90 and making 120, And then one day have it hitting, hitting you, you know, square, square between the eyeballs that you have an up that kind of lands you into something uh, bigger and different. So that's, that's some of the stuff I noticed is like the main thing, you know, for me was always, you know, how can I do this for a long time? Cause if I could just do this for a long time, I can be, I can be awesome at it. And it allowed me because I was able to lift for so long. I, I was stronger than most of my friends when I started. Um, but because I was able to hang in there, I was able to beat, um, a lot of people later on that were kicking my ass, but I just outlasted them. Mm. I ended up squatting 1,080, bench pressing 854 pounds and deadlifting 766 pounds. The people that I passed, the only thing that, that was a limiting factor for most of those people, because like I said, they were already better than me when I came into the game, it was simply just time. So whatever it is that you're working on right now, that you're like, man, I just suck at this. I can't make any money. I can't figure this out. Uh, just, I know it's cliche, but you have to just try to figure out a way to keep plugging away. And maybe uh, what you could do is you could work on your living as you're working towards your fortune as you're working more towards your hopes and dreams. Yeah, we live in a, uh, a society now that's not super keen on delayed gratification. And, uh, you know, I love fitness. I use a lot of gym metaphors. I use a lot of workout metaphors and it's particularly heavy lifting metaphors. I mean, my, our core value, our number one core value in my company is we eagerly do hard things well. And I, I basically, I have a, I have a routine myself. Um, it's legs day Sunday. I just go lift heavy legs every Sunday. And, I, and that's like, that's actually the, the pinnacle moment of my week because it, I figure, look on Sunday morning, I'm doing the hardest thing that I could possibly do the entire week. I want to so, dive into this a little bit more here. So yeah, eagerly yeah. doing, you're eagerly doing things that are hard, kind of basically eagerly doing it. hard things. Well, so it's actually three statements. We do right. hard things. We do them well, and we're eager to do them. So I, I love that because what I've been communicating to a lot of folks as well uh, comes from maybe a different perspective or different side of things. And it's this notion of hard is simply just a perspective. It's just a point of view. You know? So at the moment, you're going to think something new or something a little bit more challenging than last week is going to be hard. But by definition, all work is always going to be, is always going to have its difficulty. It's always going to have its challenge to it. So the way that I like to look at a lot of things, I agree with you 100% on 
like let's let's dive into the things that hard are that are hard because we know the reward that we're going to get. But I think maybe what people are missing out on a little bit is that these things won't be that hard to you. They'll be difficult. They'll be difficult, but they're not going to be that hard because with every step forward that you take, you'll be that much closer to getting the next thing done. So while you may be doing stuff that's hard, it's probably not, uh, it's probably not so uncomfortable that it's completely ridiculous. Is that about right? Yeah. I mean, I think you, you press, you need to press hard enough for adaptive stress, but you don't want to set yourself right. back. Yep. A hundred percent. And then, and I think sometimes I think, I think people might be uh, missing that and they, and that's may, maybe what uh, discourages them from getting started in the first place, or they maybe do try and they go so hard. They're like, I ain't even, I'm just, I don't have the energy to even, <laughs> to even attempt that again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, uh, and I agree hard is, you know, it's a semantic, I mean, that's the choice of term, but first of all, if you're right. eager to do something that diffuses a lot of the hardness of it, you know, enthusiasm right. yeah. is, the, is an antidote it. to suffering. And, and also if you do it well, if you, you know, the idea of eagerly doing a hard thing well means doing it consistently and, you know, with repetition to where it actually does get easier. And then doing something well makes you feel great about yourself. Yeah, exactly. And, and especially when you know that it was actually a hard thing that you did. <laughs> right. You know, that's the greatest feeling on earth. And I, I love that you're talking about, you know, taking this sort of long game approach, um, you know, just outlasting, you, you know, in, in a way, I feel like that's my career. I, I started, you know, I started entrepreneuring when I was 16 years old because I just knew I was never going to be cut out to work a corporate job. And I, f I failed I had zero successes. It wasn't like kind of up, kind of down. It was just down and then flat plus slightly more down for 12 years of just shit. You know, I was a jazz piano player, so I, ba I barely paid my bills doing that. But that meant that, you know, that's a nights and weekends vocation. So I had my days free to fail at business over and over and over and over. But like, like your beautiful grandmother, by the time I was in my late 20s, I wasn't the best entrepreneur. I was just the one that hadn't quit, you know? I, I, I love that. And I, I think, um, you know, ultimately, you're just trying to prove yourself to yourself. You know, I think uh, we, we look for these affirmations and these beautiful things that we can say to ourselves. And I'm a huge believer and huge fan of uh, the law of attraction. And I'm a huge believer and huge fan that you should be very positive to yourself. But what I have found out to be true for me and what I've seen to be true of some others is that you can't lie to yourself. I think that you can get away with lying to other people for quite some time and you can probably, uh, you could probably be quite successful in doing so. I don't know how good you'll feel about yourself uh, in doing that, but um, I think you can get away with that, but you can't lie to yourself. So I always think that it's important that you prove yourself to yourself and you improve yourself for nobody else other than yourself. You have to really try to, when you, when you start to set something into action as small as, you know, I, I'm a huge believer in 10 minute walks. I, I share that often. I say, Hey, just let's forget about diet. Let's just, let's just throw all this stuff out the window for a second. Cause I know it's difficult for everyone to maybe grasp or to understand how they're going to be fit, you know, five years from now, but let's just start with a 10 minute walk. You know, can you do a 10 minute walk? Can we add some of these things in? 
that you at the moment might view to be difficult. A couple of years from now, you're going to be like 10 minute walk. Kidding me? Like, why would I walk 10 minutes? That's way too easy. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's what you want people to say because you want to encourage people to get out there and do shit. I think the anxiety riddled world that we're in right now is comprised of a lot of people that just aren't doing stuff for themselves. They're not proving themselves to the, to themselves. If you, if you're constantly doing stuff, I'm a believer that you won't have anxiety. You could perhaps have a condition, you know, that, that, uh, that may be, uh, you know, slightly different than what I'm talking about. But for the most part, you know, when I think about my grandfather and I think about somebody who was in world war II, somebody who survived the great depression, somebody who built his own home, this guy knew how to build his own cars. Mm-hmm. And if I was to ask my grandpa about anxiety, he'd be like bullshit and he'd stick a cigar in his mouth. <laughs> And I don't think it was because, and I, some people would be like, well, those people, they suppressed it all down. And no, I, I honestly just don't think that he had a lot of time to think about it. And I think any time that he felt nervous or he felt um, that kind of anxiety that some of us may feel, I think that he got up and worked. You know, I think he was like, I got nine kids. I, I better get my ass off to work. So that kind of lunchbox mentality of, you know, showing up every day and taking the kind of the boring route. <laughs> The, the, road, the road less traveled is, is going to be the route that takes the longest. And I know that uh, it's not always the most popular thing, but if you just start, whatever it is, just it could be anything. It could be you filming yourself uh, talking on YouTube and you could completely suck at it right now. Maybe you don't even have the guts to upload it, but maybe you just put it on YouTube, but it's not public yet. Like just something and you get practice at it. You start to become good at it. You start to feel great about it. Yeah, two two weeks ago, you, you know, I keep I keep having this like internal feeling of rebellion because of what's going on in the world right now. You know, the world is in a very stagnant, paralyzed posture right now. And two weeks ago, I tweeted, I said, I've been so busy lately, I keep forgetting to to worry about stuff. You know, is there any, anyone else have the same condition? Like. You know, I was like, don't, you know, I don't want to get better. This is, this, this is not an ailment. I just, and it's, I think especially in the world that we're in right now, where like literally physically people have been to some degree restrained from doing. It's such an important message. And, and you know, th- these, these episodes live forever. So I don't want to date stamp it, but um, we're talking about COVID, right? I mean, the, the, the quarantine. Um, but yeah, I mean, people, people just got to, got to do more. I, I agree with that so much. So the gym is in, I always say the gym is in your heart. You know, uh, the gym is, the gym needs to be inside of you. You know, don't let the gym be a physical location. If you, if you're anybody that follows any stoicism, uh, Marcus Aurelius and a lot of these other people, a lot of these other famous stoics, they hated the idea of traveling because they thought that you were trying to escape from your problems. And they said, if you want to escape from your problems, you don't have to go any further than inside your own mind. So you don't need you don't you know you don't need to have a beach house necessarily to uh, escape that, or you don't need to uh, you know uh, go up in the mountains for a couple of days and and uh, do some psilocybin mushrooms or whatever. Although you might still find that to be uh, entertaining and fun. Do you know uh, Chris Cavalieri? I do Did not name a ring a bell. I had him on the show a month or two ago. Uh, fitness. He's a fitness influencer. Um, but he spent a, a good chunk. He he came from a really rough background and had a lot of criminality and spent a good chunk of time in jail. Um, and it was his time in or prison actually. And it was his time in prison 
that transformed him. You know, that was his getaway. That was his respite. It's like you're talking about. He, it was a very, I mean, when you're in prison, it's like you're reduced to, you're either stoic or you lack any philosophy in prison because there's just nowhere else to go with it, right? And uh, it changes. I think his life. this is another. Uh, I think this is another misconception we see flying around out there too. So this gentleman that you're mentioning, Chris, um, he ended up having a great experience from uh, kind of a horrific or a hard time or what, however he wants to place that in his life. I think that other people might think, well, I never really had that in my life. My, my dad didn't die or this didn't happen or that didn't happen. And I don't think you, I don't, I don't think you necessarily need that. I, I do think that some negative reinforcement or maybe not even negative, but some resistance I think can be really helpful because we grow from resistance. We know that from the gym. Right. So anytime there's like resistance and you go to do something and you, and you really mess it up, you really screw it up. Uh, I think that that is, is a good thing. But I think, a lot of times people hear these stories of somebody that had their mom and dad die in a plane accident when they were a kid or they grew up super poor or they uh, were discriminated against and uh, treated like shit and they went from one orphanage to another when they were a kid and, and so on. And it wasn't until they were 18 that they found out they, could, uh, they were really good at volleyball or something. They got right. a scholarship somewhere and then the rest is history and they, they made it to the Olympics, won a gold medal and so forth. So I, I don't think... And a lot of times with those people, a lot of times they're still, we're all still trying to, you know, cure and, and we're all still trying to, you know, heal some maybe wounds that we had from when we were younger. And for some people like myself, I, I always have to mention this. I always want to mention that I grew up really fortunate. I grew up, I have two parents that loved me, that took care of me, that were there for everything. And they still are. If I went to my parents right now and said, hey, I, I'm in trouble. I need 10 grand or I need something. They would just give me whatever, whatever they could give me. They yeah. would figure out a way to, uh, to, to get it to me. And I, I always had enough hugs. And I like to kind of paint a picture for people with that is that, you know, if you, if we were all born on, you know, a track or we were all born like to race against each other, I guess, I guess maybe, um, I, I just feel like my starting position may have been a little further ahead than uh, somebody that's been discriminated against, uh, somebody that grew up really poor, somebody that grew up in uh, the slums of India or something like, like, I don't know anything about that upbringing. I don't know. I don't pretend to. So when we start talking like this and I talk about, Hey, like, here's a way that you can be better. Here's, you know, it's, it's a tough thing for everyone to be able to grasp because some people, uh, have to come from so far back yeah. that it's going to take them a while just to have kind of their, their everyday needs fulfilled. Like the guy you're mentioning, Chris, who was in prison, like, man, he, he had to go, he had to go through like a real roller coaster of circumstances in order for him to be uh, maybe lined up with you and I, you know, on this, uh, on this track. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I, I, I tend to look at it as pragmatically as possible though and say, be that as it may, what's going to get me the farthest, the fastest with whatever yes. hand I've been yeah. dealt? And any other question, I mean, this is kind of a stoic thing. It's like only ponder questions worth pondering, you know? Um, yeah. I, I got to ask, are you, are you a Mike Mentzer fan? <laughs> of course. I'm feeling, I, I mean, his, his, you know, his philosophical, his objectivist writings and stuff, I'm feeling maybe a, a Mike Menser energy in your, in this conversation. 
Yeah, I love Mike Menser's stuff. Mike Menser, the uh, the uh, kind of creator of heavy duty training and doing yeah. things in like one set. And yeah, he always brought a philosophical vibe to it. I, I feel like, you know, if I'm going to, I've always said this at seminars, I always start out by saying, if I'm going to teach you how to lift, I'm sorry, but I have to teach you how to live first. And I, I need to dump some philosophy on you because you do need to understand that it's not really a, as much as it may be about the sets and the reps and the weights that you lifted. It's just not, you know, it's, 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 it's the long game. It's how long can you do this for? How long can you sustain? How long can you maintain? Uh, we know this about nutrition, you know, a piece of cake or some ice cream or something like that. Not necessarily going to make you fat, right? Right. A couple bad days of, of, a di of dieting. Uh, yes, you could maybe gain, you could maybe have gained a little bit of weight. Uh, but at the same time, you know, a couple good days of staying on track with fitness, uh, not going to, you're not going to have the dream body that you want. But if you start to think about what are some of the things that are, that are in the way, which is usually yourself, you start to think about some of the things that are in the way of you having the body that you want, then you can start to say, well, how, how interested am I in that really? And then you might take your physique that you're looking for that maybe started out as Arnold uh, into uh, being, being a different version of that because for you to be Arnold would mean that you would have to give up everything and work every single day as hard as you possibly could to go towards that goal. So I'm really a big believer in, in uh, being, trying to figure out a way to be honest with yourself and figure out what your interests are and then what I've noticed is that a lot of times when I say, hey, I really want to do that. I really want to be leaner. I really want to be this or that. I find myself saying, you know what? You're just not as interested as you originally thought you were. Because yeah. if you were, you would line up your habits with, with all of it to, to be able to do it. Yeah, I love what you're saying. And I, I feel that like in my community, Entra. So I, I'm basically an internet marketer, just a little bit of background and my, my audience knows this. I'm, I'm a digital marketer. I've worked online since 2008. But within that space, you know, of the, I guess, the Russell Brunson and the Onyx and Gall and the, the Mike Dillard and the, you know, there's, a, there's 10, 20, 30 of us, I don't know, however many. I'm kind of known as like the one who's also into fitness, just kind of became part of my brand because it's such a consistent part of my conversation. And it, so it, I actually get asked about it a disproportionate amount relative to, you know, I'm not like a super jack guy. I'm not a fitness professional, but I still get the questions a lot. Habits. What time do you wake up in the morning? Just because of that, of that whole, I mean, we're talking internet marketers. They're not like the most buff group of people in the world, but of that group, right. I'm the one who's kind of known for that. So um, the thing I love about it and what I tell everyone about it is like, it's you know, how you do one thing is how you do everything. And the thing about your fitness, about the physical part of your life, it, like you said, it's the hardest part of your life for you to tell yourself or anyone else a lie. You, you know, you can look rich for a night, man. You can go rent a Lamborghini to shoot a video to put on Facebook to make yourself look rich. You cannot go rent a better body for a day. You know, it, it betrays you. And I love that because, you know, for me, uh, I find that it's the keystone habit of the rest of my life. I, I'm, the book, The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg, have, have you ever read that? You know, I, I, I couldn't agree more. And uh, I think a lot of times we have a tendency to size each other up, 
You know, yeah. I mean, it's like as much as we would love not to do that and we'd love not to place judgment on people whenever I'm like, man, I just think it's a fact that guy probably has a lot more money than I do. And I can say, well, <laughs> screw him. At least I can bench more than him. Right, <laughs> you know right, what I mean? Right. You just, you, you, you want to, but like when it do, when it does come to fitness, uh, it is very hard for people to have everything lined up properly. I mean, it does take a full commitment. You know, if you want to be in good shape, it, um, it's, it's a full-time job to be in good shape yeah. because you do have to pay attention to your food all day long. However you decide you want to manage that. There's many different ways of doing I got, it. I got my meal prep for as soon as we're done See? right here. Turkey tacos. There you, go. Yeah. you have to get your training in and you have to not only train, but you have to, you have to, you have to work at it. You know, it has to be a, has to be a good session. And then you need to make sure you're on par with your sleep. And what entrepreneur wants to get any sleep? Like, I don't want to get, I don't even want to go to bed. You know, I, I've kind of forced myself to start thinking about a uh, bedtime routine at like eight, eight thirty every night, but I never want to go to bed. And I, I'm lucky if I can sleep five or six hours uh, through the night. I've been that way, <laughs> been that way for a very, very long time. I just, I just want to get up. I just want to be doing stuff. I'm so excited about every day. So it's not, I don't feel nervous. I don't feel anxiety. I don't feel anything like that, but I just, um, the only way I can put it is like, I just don't even, I don't want to go to bed. I sometimes will feel tired, but even then I don't want to go to bed. Yeah. I, I, I totally resonate with that. What time do you get up in the mornings? I'm curious. It really depends on, on the time of year. You know, when it, when it starts to get a little bit warmer out, I'll wake up, um, just like when the sun's like a little bit before the sun gets out, uh, probably around five thirty or six, but usually in the winter time, I like waking up a little bit earlier and getting my training done. Uh, so sometimes I'll wake up, you know, four thirty, five o'clock, something like yeah. that. So you don't you don't have like a, a a sort of militarized routine that you maintain every day in order to get everything done that you need to get done. No, you know, I think that might make me a little different than maybe maybe some of the guests that you may have had on here or some of what I hear um, from a lot of entrepreneurs and from a lot of people that are successful. Um, I very much am uh, not just day to day, but like moment to moment. Um, and I don't know, I don't know where, I don't know where that comes from or, or, or why that is uh, that way. Um, it could be, um, I feel like, I feel like I'm more creative than I am smart necessarily. So, uh, I think that, um, creative minds like to really wander. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times my team is like, Hey, did you see Mark? And they're like, no. And they're like, Oh shit. Like he's gone, like he's somewhere, but we don't know where he is. And like, right. he'll probably be back in like two hours. It usually just means I like went for a walk or did something. I, I really, I don't like to be, um, as much as my commitments are important to me. Um, yeah, I kind of hate having, <laughs> I hate having to be anywhere specifically anywhere, any specific time. So, um, I try not to, you know, be too regimented or too dog. I want to have fun. You know, I want to have fun in this world. I want to have fun in life. And, uh, for me to have fun, for me personally, if I have too many restrictions or too much shit going on, then uh, it becomes it becomes less less fun pretty quickly. Yeah, it's I, you know I struggle with that uh, myself. I, I I'm genuinely interested in in more on this subject. You know, as a in my twenties, I was a jazz musician, right? So it doesn't get. I literally improvised for a living. I wasn't just a musician. I was a jazz musician. It was supposed to be different every time I played. You know. And, um, but now in my thirties, I actually, I'm, 
I'm being, I'm, I'm dreaming my forties now. Um, I just, I have to be so regimented to get everything done because, you know, I'm married. I'm a, I'm a dad. I have four kids. I like to be with my kids. I run Entra. I thankfully sold my agency. So you I don't have, have to be an adult. Me. Yeah. I have to be a grown up, Right. And, and I still, and yet fitness, I, I, I it's non-negotiable for me. I, if I start missing workouts, I, I literally turn into like a degenerate scumbag. Like I just, who I am when I'm very consistent about the gym and who I am when I'm not are two, it's, it's almost like an addict, you know, like are they using or not? When they're not, they're like great. And when they are, they're a disaster. That's me when, I, when I'm not going to the gym, I might as well be using. Um, are, you, are you like that? Have you ever had a period since you started when you like consistently let it go? So I definitely need to exercise to some degree. Um, but, uh, as far as the actual gym, um, you know, I, I've been a bro, <laughs> I've been a meathead for so long that, yeah. um, it just doesn't matter as much. And something I taught myself, uh, quite a while back was just like, I'm just going to get it done. Like, don't, don't even worry about when it happens. You yeah. know, like if let's, let's say, like, I don't really like to use an alarm to wake up. So let's just say for whatever reason, I, I slept a little longer than normal and it's six o'clock or something. And I, I was planning on, you know, trying to work out at six o'clock. Well, now my whole day is bumped. Well, I'm not going to like, I'm not going to just stress over like, oh man, I got to get this workout done. The workout will either happen or it won't. And if it doesn't happen, it'll happen tomorrow. So for me, like I, I don't mind a little procrastination. It, it's, it, it works for me. I'm okay with it because I've been doing it for so long that, you know, if you were to say like, Hey, are you consistent with your workouts? You'd be like, uh, you missed four workouts in the last year and a half. You know what I mean? Like, right. so it's going to be, it's going to be really, uh, extreme circumstances that I would miss anything. And sometimes, um, if I am crunched for time or something happens or the day gets away from me, I mean, it's not really necessarily time. It's more about prioritizing. We all know that, but I may have prioritized my day in a different way for whatever reason. And I could say, all right, well, you know what? I, I don't know what the rest of the day is going to look like. It looks like there's kind of a lot of stuff on, on the plate for today. So I'm just going to run right now and maybe I'll just like, you know, run a mile or something like that or run for 10, 15 minutes straight. And then, you know, I'll stop and then I'll get back into doing whatever I was doing, podcasting meetings or whatever I have scheduled for the day. Um, and then I'll kind of look at the clock and I'll be like, you know, do I still have time to get a training session in? Cause I usually don't eat the beginning half of most days. I usually don't eat. So, um, that's kind of a factor too. If I start looking at the clock and it's going to be a stretch between, you know, lifting or eating, I have to, you know, have to kind of pick wisely and I want to make sure that I'm, uh, you know, I want to make sure I'm jacked and tan and I want to make sure I'm a machine, but I also want to make sure I'm a well-fed machine, right? Like, so I sometimes have to just think, Hey dude, you know what? Just, just F and relax. Like go, <laughs> go home and eat because for me, I don't know how about, how about how your day goes, but for me, uh, my favorite part of the day is the end of the day because then I'm just with my family the whole day and it's just, it's eating, it's hanging out with my kids, hanging out with my wife. A lot of times we'll try to watch a movie together or a TV show together and uh, I get like three or four hours of just doing pretty much nothing, but it's, it's, it's absolutely amazing. So that's, that's kind of my, my day is 
is really chuck full of a lot of stuff in the beginning of the day, lifting, whatever exercise I need to get done, meetings, podcasts, things of that nature. And then that's that uh, last half of the day is just chilling with the family. So I want to talk about how you evolved into the life that you just described. Um, Cause it really sounds like, I mean, it's, it's kind of the dream for most people, you know, is like wake up with purpose, be excited to get up even a little short on sleep because I just can't wait to get up and, and attack the day and then, you know, get, get all the necessaries done with and be able to ride out the end of the day with my family. Like that's most people's dream. I would think certainly sounds like mine. So I want to talk about how you evolved into that. But first, I, I, I have to ask, I just want to kind of know about your experience. You, when I was reading your bio, you mentioned two names that I'm like, man, I would have, I mean, there, I, I would have done a lot to be able to spend time around those two guys. One was Mike O'Hearn and the other was Ed Cohn. Um, again, I've been a, you know, a, a, a avid was what was the it was muscle and fitness but there was another one you know like when i was in high school i read like you know muscular development muscle media 2000 muscle media 2000 yeah <laughs> flex magazine um yeah. you know i've been a sort of an ardent follower of of this part of life since for decades now and those are two names i was like man he spent a lot of quality time with both of those guys um tell me a little bit about let's start with ed Cohn, if we could i mean <laughs> the man, the myth, and, and a lot of people may not know who he is, but I mean, we're talking about a guy that was 220 pounds that could raw deadlift 950 and squat a thousand. And I mean, he, this wasn't like now, like he didn't have a slingshot. He didn't have like space age right. suits. I mean, he was just strong. Like, tell me about that, man. Tell me about it. Yeah. If you were to look up, <laughs> if you were to look up Ed Cohn and then you were to also look up Bill Kazmaier, yeah. So Ed Cohn broke Bill Kazmaier's all-time powerlifting record. Bill Kazmaier is probably 6'4 and probably 290. I mean, he yeah. was just an absolute animal. Actually, he's more probably more like 330 pounds or so. Ed Cohn is like 5'5 five, five, <laughs> or 5'5 five, five, five or 5'4, five, and he competed at 198, 220, and 242. So a much lighter body weight guy breaking the all-time world record in powerlifting, deadlifting over 900 pounds, as you mentioned, uh, at 220. That record stayed intact for like 30 years. I mean, just, a, just an absolute savage on the platform. Um, I don't think he's ever lost a powerlifting meet. Um, I mean, he, he's the Wayne Gretzky, you know, of, of, yeah. uh, of powerlifting, you know, or like it's, it's hard to even compare because he, he was so good for so long and so dominant that no one even came uh, anywhere, anywhere near anything that he did. But one of the main things I learned from from him was kind of more outside the gym where I had a situation happen with a training partner and a, and a longtime friend. And he just kind of put it to me very, uh, frankly, and just said, Hey, you know what, Mark, um, you know, be good to those who are good to you and don't do anything else. And I was just like, be good to those who are good to you. And don't do anything else. <laughs> and I was like, fuck. <laughs> I'm like, that's actually really hard to do. It should, shouldn't be hard to do. But it is hard because we get caught up, you know. And I, if I think about uh, the internet, you know, it's called the World Wide Web for a reason. Like, you know, what do spiders catch their prey? And they catch them in a web. And it's easy to get caught up in a fight on the internet or get caught up in, no, no, you, what you said is not right. I got to prove what I said is right. So here's this message, right? 
And so, you know, that message to me from Ed Cohn saved me a lot of time and energy. And then um, one of the other ones that he said that that's in the gym, but also another great metaphor outside uh, of the gym is I asked him, I said, um, I said, when would you max out and when would you miss a lift? Uh, because I was pushing some pretty big numbers and I, and I would miss a lift here or there. And so I was kind of curious as to like, how do you know, like when to like roll the dice, um, um, you know, and, and how, and, and how far should I be taking some of this? And he was like, um, he said, he said he never, he never maxed out <laughs> and he said he never missed a weight in the gym. And I was just like, is this one of these old guy, like tails or something? Right. Like <laughs> it doesn't even make any sense. Right. Um, but after being in powerlifting for so long and seeing the best of the best and seeing people make progress, the people that make progress don't miss lifts. It, it would be really, really rare. I would say the best guy in the gym, uh, if he competed two or three times in a year, he, he might miss two or three lifts and that might be on game day. That might be on, that might be on the platform. Yeah. In powerlifting, you get three attempts, do bench squat and deadlift. So it might be on their third attempt, bench squat or deadlift where they do roll the dice and they're like, ah, screw it. I'm going to see if I can deadlift 700 pounds or uh, whatever it might be for that particular day. But when he said that, I was like, wow, he's never, he's never maxed out. <laughs> you know, on the platform is different when it was game day. If he had to go for it, he went for it, you know, and sometimes he'd come up shy. Sometimes he wouldn't do the lift technically sound and he would get red lighted by the judges or something like that. But, um, that gives you an idea of what we were talking about in the very beginning about how hard something is. So when Ed Cohen would make a lift in a, in a, in a competition, even, even with 900 pounds or a thousand pounds, it would still look easy and it still probably felt fairly easy to him. Um, it was challenging though. It was challenging and it was kind of riding that fine line, but you cannot make improvement. It's very, very difficult to make improvements when it comes to, physical activity when it comes to physical and mental activity you can't force improvement you can't uh you can't try to learn more than you can learn in a given day like you can't uh when i say can't i want you to kind of keep in mind there's there's always the exception right but what i'm saying you can't is that it would be very difficult to try to learn like if i tried to learn from you in in a day and i just sat down like hey, give me everything you got and then i went over like elon musk like give me everything you got I went to Jeff Bezos. Give me every, you know, I'm not going to really absorb much of it. Right. I'm not going to, I'm not going to get much. You can't max out like that. It doesn't, it doesn't work that way. It would work better if I was like, Hey man, you got like 20 minutes. And I talked to you on the phone for 20 minutes. We meet in person here and there. I meet with these other people, rub elbows with them and, and things like that. And so it's a great metaphor for life is that, you know, you, you only got like whatever you built yourself into. And when Ed Cohn was talking about these big lifts, if you're trying to, you know, every day you're trying to bench press 400 pounds, you're going to continually miss it because you don't have the correct information in your body. You don't have the correct strength and the correct motor patterns stored in your body just yet. You can't fast forward to get them and you can't just try to add more weight to get them. You have to earn it over a period of time. So you have to take your time with the three sets of three or three sets of five or three sets of 10. And it's going to be boring and it's going to take a long time. But when you come back around to it the next time, when that 400 pounds used to be your max, you're going to do it. It's going to be pretty easy. And you, you won't need to even go any heavier because you'll have gotten the, uh, 
what you needed for the day, what you needed from the day. You know, it's really interesting when it comes to strength training in particular, you just need to kind of like graze right next to it. You don't need the heaviest weight. You know, if you can bench press 400 pounds, you wouldn't need to bench press 400 pounds. You'd need to bench 350, 365 and so on, you know, for, for repetitions and things like that. And then over a period of time, you would be able to do 415, 420, 425 and so on. But you would, it would be a, it would be a lot harder for you to try to continually get stronger with the heavier weights. It's easier to get stronger with the lighter weights and with the repetition. Sometimes you need a, it sometimes they can get tricky, but um, you kind of get the idea like, you know, just trying to go too hard uh, is detrimental and it won't really get you to where you think, where you think it might take you. Yeah. You know, I think this is such a metaphor. You, you know, I, I tend to assume that most of my audience primarily, I mean, the reason they're following me is because they're interested in learning how to build a business, right? They have an entrepreneurial inclination, but kind of like you and when, it, you know, somebody wants to talk about working out and you're like, listen, man, it's, you know, it doesn't just all happen in the gym. It's how you live your whole life. Like Ed Cohn, you know, taught you lessons outside of the gym. I think that being successful as an entrepreneur and successful in business um, is, extends way beyond, you know, the two hours a day that you're most productive sitting at your computer. Um, and I think a lot, I, 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 the two things I've done in my life that I've derived the most wisdom from that have informed my success in business have been the gym and the piano. And it's amazing how many parallels I see between the gym and the piano. Um, kind of like you're talking, as you were talking, what I kept thinking is, you know, you're never, it's, it's, it, I wouldn't say never, but it's not particularly productive. And in fact, it can be detrimental to try to practice a piece at max velocity to say, Hey, let me, let me play this piece as fast as I can. Because every time you miss a note, you train your, your muscles to miss notes. I assume it's the same with a lift right? And in fact, the yeah. best way to learn to play fast is to practice really slow. And, and they actually call it uh, in boxing, they, I used to box as well, and they call it sparring partner syndrome. So if you're the sparring partner for a champion, yeah, you'll never be a champion because you're, you're the sparring partner. You're the, you're, you're learning how to lose. You're learning how to get uh, hit. Like it's, you're, you're there to be a punching bag a little bit for the other guys. So you don't really like, you don't learn what it would take to get over the hump to be able to, and you're probably, you're probably damn near as good as the other guy. That's the other thing about it. You're probably really close. Otherwise they wouldn't, wouldn't have even invited you in there to, to do it with them. So yeah, it's really interesting. And, and the piano, you know, draws a lot of parallels as well, even though I've never played or I'm not musically inclined at all. But um, what I've seen is that, you know, if we were to all sit down at eight years old in front of a piano, someone would play better than somebody else, than, than the rest of the group. Even right. if you had 100 kids that never even played a piano, somebody would be better than somebody else. For me, my piano was the weight room. The yeah. second I touched weights, I was a little bit stronger. I happened to be a little bit bigger than some of my friends. I mean, I remember they were struggling to push the bar and I was able to put, you know, 25s on each side and do a couple reps. And they were like, what? You know, and I had a little practice because we had, we had some weights in my garage, but they were baffled. They were like, what the, you know, what is this? But I think that that piano analogy is another good analogy for life. Sometimes you get screwed. Like sometimes there's, who knows why the kid at eight years old can play 
Right. And who knows why, you know, he, he gets it so quick that he becomes better than his teacher at 10 or something like that. We don't know, but we're born with what we're born with. And you got to uh, try to find these kind of hidden superpowers that you have and you got to do the best with whatever it is that you got. Yeah, I, I, uh, I agree. And, and don't do what I did, which is figure out at a really young age that you could be really good at something and then neglect it. Unless, unless you, you deeply know it's just not who you are. I mean, there's some people that. Yeah. What do you think was connected to that? Was there maybe some sort of lack of interest or was it uh, maybe some other things outside of that? That was. uh... I actually think that I experienced at a very young age and, and thankfully processed through in the first couple decades of my life, what I see impacting a lot of people much later in life, which is a, a fear or a reticence about succeeding and most fully becoming who they could. Because I had the talent wow. <laughs> that I That's could awesome. have been prodigal. But I, I refused. I took a few lessons when I was a little kid. I said, no, I don't like this. I want to play outside with my friends, which I was not a good athlete. I should have been, I would have been a lot better playing piano than, than basketball. But, uh, and I didn't come back to it until I was a teenager when I, I literally came back to it as a practical decision to say, what can I get good at that I can make enough money doing freelance that I won't have to get a job. That's actually the only reason I became so, a serious musician. I did the same thing with lifting. I, I yeah. <laughs> what what you what you said there um, was really well put because when I talk to some friends that are really successful, or when I see some of my friends on Instagram and some forms of social media, and they have like millions of followers, and and they're able to really execute really well on a lot of things, but I also know that they're sad. They don't feel good about a lot of the things they're doing. Um, I've had many of the same experiences as you, as you have had. And so I think maybe I somehow was able to work through it at a much younger age. Uh, when it came to lifting, I kind of always had it. Um, I still had to work very hard at it. There were still a lot of ups and downs with it all, but I left lifting many, many times. That's why I was, that's how I got into boxing. I left lifting, you know, I always wanted to be a pro football player. I, I never wanted to be a lifter because lifting, lifting wasn't anything. When I was a kid, um, they yeah. used to announce over the loudspeaker because my mom would call the school and say that I, I broke a state record or something like that. And they would announce it on the loudspeaker at school when I was in like eighth grade and I would like duck down in my chair and just be, you know, redder than this uh, shaker cup right here. <laughs> I'd, be re- I'd be really embarrassed because nobody knew anything about powerlifting. So then all the other kids would say, hey, what was that? You did some sort of record and this or that? Like, I just didn't know that anyone would think it was, anyone would think it was cool. But I turned my back on lifting many times, even though, I continued to plug away and continued to do it. Uh, it would have been interesting to kind of see from the age of 12, if I would have gave it a full go, you know, yeah. all the way through uh, what may have been possible. But I also don't think that I was interested in it enough when I was young to, to not have burned out or really hurt myself or something like that. Well, it's what you said about, about outlasting, you know, I think that coming to something with the peace to be consistent and certain over a long period of time is a much greater recipe for success than trying to seize on an opportunity or a talent that may, it may be real, but it's not in your heart. Were you maybe denying the fact that you were the, the piano guy, you were the pianist, you were the, like, were you maybe like trying to almost like, you know, I, you know, okay. Yeah, I am that kid. I'm pretty good at it. I get it. But no, but no, 
Like I have more, more depth to me than that. I, I want to do. Yeah. And it's things. not so much depth, I th- more depth. I think it was, you know, and this is, you know, kids as kids were ignorant and sometimes we're shallow. That wasn't the identity that I wanted. I wanted a cooler identity. Honestly, I wanted a sports identity and I wanted to get the girl's identity. And that wasn't being the piano kid, but I mean, it's just, you know, <laughs> what it could have been the next Lynn, 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 Mel Miranda or something. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Who knows? But, uh, I am, I'm happy with the way things worked out and, and the lessons that I've learned. Um, and, and it sounds like a lot of the same things I've taken from music that you've taken from the gym, just about consistency, habits. You know, the piano is another thing that doesn't lie. Somebody says, oh, yeah, I, t- I, I took lessons when I was a kid. I was really good. I, okay, great. You know, play me something. Okay, well, you know, I don't know who you're fooling. I'm sure who you learned from. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it just doesn't lie. It's like trying to rent a six-pack for a day. Um, so, okay, I, I want to talk about your, your shift into becoming an entrepreneur. Uh, and are you good on time? Yep. I'm great. Yep. Talk five, ten more minutes at least? Okay, cool. I appreciate that. Um, so, you're in the gym one day, and what was your first, because you're, I mean, you have like three patents, and you know, you're, you're an inventor as much as you're a weightlifter from, from my reading anyways. Um, what was your first thing where you're like, I think I've got an idea I'm going to see it through, which is, you know, ideas are a dime a dozen, but clearly at some point you saw one through and that, that's been made all the difference. What was that idea? Yeah, I would first like to say that, um, so you're asking me about time, you know, something that I have uh, worked on is, um, you know, I, I, I make time for stuff. I, I, I do the best I can. Um, we, we obviously all have our challenges, but I don't ever feel like I don't have time. I don't ever feel like I'm too busy. So a lot of times I find it interesting because people will say, Hey, I know you're really busy. I think that I used to be really busy or I used to feel really busy, but I don't feel really busy anymore. I feel like, I feel like I have somehow, uh, at least for myself, at least for at the moment, who knows how I'll feel five years from now, or 10 years from now, I feel like I have, uh, I'm kind of on the other side of things, you know, being in my forties, I feel like, you know, I'm in the, in the second half of, uh, this, this, this long game. Right. And I, and I feel like I put a lot of work in and I put a lot of time in. And so whenever somebody asks me like, like, Hey, are you busy or what? You know, I'm like, no, I can make time for that. I can make time to have a meeting with somebody. Uh, fans come to the gym all the time. My gym is free. I mentioned that to you before we started recording today. And they're like, I can't believe you have time to talk to me, but it's because of the work that went, that went before it. And so how I got into all this and how it all got started was, um, you know, I've been training since I was a kid. I've always loved powerlifting, always loved pushing the envelope and, and trying to lift as much as I possibly could. And I'd run into people when I went to a seminar or when I went here or there to try to learn more about strength training. Uh, somebody would say, Hey, like you're, you're seeming pretty big, you know, how much do you lift? Or we'd get talking about lifting and I'd say, Oh, you know, I, I bench, you know, 400 pounds or whatever the weight was at the time. And they would say, oh, I used to be able to do that. And then I would run into another guy and he'd say, I used to be able to. And I was always like, why do these, are, are there all these older guys are lying to me or um, there's some reason on why they can't do it anymore. And so as I started to get stronger, go from 400 to 450 to 500 and so on, as I started to climb that ladder, I started to get injured. I started to get hurt. And I was preparing for competition. I tore my pec and... I was really distraught because my deadlift was flying. My squats were going really good. 
and I still wanted to compete. So I tore my pec in training, but it was very, it was minor. I know it sounds weird to have a minor pec tear, but it just didn't seem like it was going to be that huge of a deal. So what I did was in powerlifting, they make compression suits. They make like bench shirts and squat suits and these things. And these things can help you lift more weight. On top of it, they cause a lot of compression. And so they'll give, you, they'll give you some assistance with the weight, but they'll also take a lot of pressure off your joints, your tendons, your ligaments, and even your muscles to some extent. And so I went into this competition and I wore a very baggy, a very loose, it's called a bench shirt. And I used the bench shirt in training. And as I went to the, as I prepped for the competition, my chest started to feel better and better. And I went to the competition and I competed and I did really well. And so I took that information and the next week I went into the gym and I just sat at the end of the bench wearing this bench shirt uh, that was a couple sizes too big for me. And I was like, this thing is pretty damn badass. It like, not only did it heal me, but it allowed me to do what I love to do. And it allowed me to like strengthen myself all during this time where I thought I tore my pec, I thought I was out of the game, but I was still able to, you know, compete and still able to do well. And then I was like, well, you know, what are some of the drawbacks of this thing? I'm like, well, first of all, nobody knows what this thing is because they're not marketed um, very well. But even if they were marketed, it looks like a straight jacket. <laughs> it's kind of made out of a uh, material that uh, sometimes it's made out of material that you make jeans out of. So it's made out of like denim. It looks odd, takes multiple people to help you get into it, yeah. and it costs a lot of money. So I was if like, maybe I can create it, something. You kind of look like a zombie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. you walk around like a, like a mummy. You can't yeah. move. And uh, so I was like, well, maybe I can make something that's stretchier and lighter and easier to use. And um, Plus, a bench shirt is really weird, too, because you need X amount of weight on the bar to even bring the weight down full range of motion. You might need like 120% of your max in order to get the weight to uh, go all the way down to your chest. It's really weird, hard to describe. But anyway, uh, I kind of took that concept and played around for a while with a bunch of different ideas, all of which were bad. I, um, I even went to a few companies and said, hey, I have this idea. I want to make this... Uh, upper body device that helps you with bench press. And they were like, yeah, it's called a bench shirt. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, no, I know. I know there's a bench shirt, but bench shirts, they hurt to put them on. It takes multiple people to put them on. They cost two, 300 bucks. I'm like, it's not feasible for people to be utilizing that in the gym. I'm, I'm talking more about something that people would really enjoy using. Maybe athletes would use it. Some of the older people that have gotten banged up and the younger guys would love it because they would be able to lift a little bit more weight. And each company I went to uh, kind of confirmed that it was a bad idea. I uh, continued to try to work on it. Um, and, you know, I should mention also, you mentioned um, like failing like at everything and like nothing going well. So I was the same way. Uh, people ask me all the time, hey, had you ever, did you have any failures along the way with your business? And the answer is no. All the failing happened before I had a business. Right. Um, all this stuff in the business has been very successful and there's there's been like hiccups and there's been things that have been off and we've had to throw away product and like there's been, there's been some small misses here or there, but every single thing that we made, everything is sold really well. Everything's done really well, but all the screwing up that you can do, that was, that was basically the beginning, <laughs> the beginning part of my life. Uh, and I can 
talk about that a little in a little bit if you want as well. I, I kind of bought this story that I was dumb. I was put in some special classes when I was young. And so that was my narrative to myself, which uh, wasn't great. Anyway, I kept working on this idea. I kept working on this product and uh, I took Under Armour shirts that were super tight and I put them on and I put them uh, over my arms and I had it stretch across my chest without putting my head in yeah, the shirt. Yeah. And I tried I to totally see I tried, that now that you're describing it. Yeah. Yeah. So I tried to bench press with that and it kind of worked. It actually grabbed my elbows and assisted me up a little bit, but it kind of hurt more so than anything else. And I was like, well, that's not really, you know, I can't. And it, it gave me these kind of marks under my arms and stuff. I was like, people are not going to dig that, you know, and people wouldn't pay for something like that. So I just kept kind of thinking about it. And eventually I took a pair of uh, knee wraps and, uh, or a pair of wrist wraps rather with my dad out of the back of the trunk of my crappy car, like Honda Accord or something I was driving at the time, which I don't know how I fit into, but I, uh, my, my dad and I are, are kind of, you know, making this contraption and, uh, my dad puts the wrist wrap around one elbow and he puts it around the other elbow and then we connect it in the middle and he holds it. And I'm like, Oh yeah, hold it right there. Let me pull my elbows back and let me see if this is going to work. And as I pulled my elbows back, the Velcro broke and it hit him in the face. He's like, I don't think that's what you're looking for. And I was like, no, 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 I think that's it. I think that's perfect. I actually do. That's the right feel, you know? And so from there I took a pair of knee wraps and this is, this is anyone can play along at home with what I'm about to say next is I just started to review all the people that I knew. And I started to think like, who, who can help me with this? And I was really frustrated. I actually got to a point where I was in my, in our other beat up car, we were, I was in my, our minivan and I was literally like in tears cause I was so frustrated cause I was trying to make this thing for a long time and I'm fast forwarding over some hardship and stuff like that. But it took a long time to make the product and in the process of trying to make the product, I gave up on it a couple times. I stopped because I was like, people are right, man. Like the, this idea is dumb. I, I went to a couple different companies and they don't seem to get it and they think it's stupid. Like maybe they're right. Maybe it is dumb. And I left the idea kind of dormant for a bit. But then my oldest brother, Mike, uh, he, he um, was addicted to drugs and alcohol and things like that. And he died. And when he died, that was like, a, that was the, that was the kind of momentum that I kind of needed. I kind of needed a kick in the ass and that was it. And when he passed away, I think it was just a couple of days later, uh, I had a dream and he came to me in the dream and I've talked to some other people that have had things like this happen where, um, you know, it's, it's almost like a little form of like PTSD, I guess you'd say, but uh, he came to me in a dream and he said, think, and I have, I have a, a, a thing right across the room that I'm in. And it's just, it's just a board and it's just this think on it. But it, that moment made me think and made me kind of recognize like that thought that you have needs to turn into something and it needs to turn into something right the fuck now. Like you need to get going on this because life is short. And so I took the concept and idea and I started to really mull over in my head. Who do I know that can help me with this? I tried explaining it to my wife. I tried explaining it to my parents. I tried to explain it to a bunch of people and no one knew what I was really talking about, even though it wasn't that hard of a concept to get. So I finally asked my wife, I was like, do you just know someone that can sew? Like I just need, I have these knee wraps and I just need them sewn together. Hmm. And she goes, Oh yeah. She's like my friend, uh, Marilyn, she, uh, does our, um, 
my wife's a swimmer and she's like, my friend Marilyn does our swimsuit. So yeah, you can probably take those knee wraps over to her and she can sew them up. So I met Marilyn at Starbucks and uh, I said, Hey, can you sew this like this? And this is kind of the way it would look. And she's like, yeah, I think so. She's like, I have a a pretty good machine, a pretty good upholstery machine, and I can, you know, uh, lace it with some good material uh, so it doesn't bust apart, you know. And so um, I, I met her again the next very next week, and she had uh, kind of these uh, prototypes of the slingshot. She pulled it out of her bag, and I was like, holy shit. I'm like, <laughs> like that's what's been in my head for so long, and now I'm seeing it for the first time. I said, can you stay here for just a minute? I was like, there's a gym just a couple hundred feet. So I go running down and I go into this gym with the slingshot and, uh, you know, just bypass the guy at the front desk as if I already have a membership there. That's always the key thing to getting into any gym. So I just bypassed that guy and I put on 135 pounds. I do a couple reps with it and it felt really good. Then I put 225 on and had the slingshot on again and did some reps with it and the weight's just flying off my chest. There was no pain in my elbows or my chest. And when I got up off the bench, I was just covered head to toe in goosebumps. And I was like, this is fucking it. Like you, you did it. Like you big dumb idiot. You finally, you finally <laughs> did something awesome, you know? And I, I knew that that was uh, like a lottery ticket. And I first, and I don't know if you've ever had this happen or previous guests ever had this happen, but I had a vision right there. Um, it may have happened kind of in the course of the next few days uh, or maybe even a few weeks as we prototyped it and made different renditions of it. But um, I had a very clear vision of what was going to happen. And I, I kind of knew that I was going to make other products around it. Um, I even was able to tell approximately how many we were going to be able to sell, which I, I don't know why any of this came to me because I don't have any previous business history. I, I, I never read I've never read one book just in my life just because I don't like to read. Hmm. And so uh, I don't know how this hit me or why, but it, it just did. It was a really clear vision. And so my wife and I, we ordered uh, 4,000 of these things that we didn't know how we were going to sell. But I was like, I think we'll sell them in a year. I think everyone's gonna, like, I just was naive. I was just fired up and excited. I was like, I think everyone's going to want to buy these. And I was right. It took us about 14 months. So I was a little, I was a little bit off, uh, but we've been selling them ever since. That was ten years ago, and now we make everything from knee sleeves to hip circles to slingshots to elbow sleeves. Um, we have apparel. We're launching a supplement line coming up pretty soon, so we got a little bit of everything. But that's that's how everything kind of came to be to the point where. So I basically, the short answer is I invented a product because if you invent a product that um that people care about that people like that people enjoy then you make money on that for however long you want to sell it for as long as it's a good product it's the only rule it's got to be got to be a halfway decent idea and then you can you can uh, make money while you sleep basically yeah well to to your i'm i'm going to be more generous to you than you are it takes more than a good idea it takes you know i don't you just told the story pretty quickly but I got to think you just summed up a few years, right? Uh, you know, that's a, that's a multi yeah, about, about four years. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah and I'll tell you, years. go ahead. I was going to say it was about four years, uh, from me having the thought in my head to me actually making it 
because I went back and forth with myself so many times on whether it was even a good idea or not. And then ultimately when I did make it, getting a patent for it, that took another four years, Mm -hmm. which is crazy because you wouldn't think that that, you'd think like if you have money and you have the correct dialogue and the correct paperwork done, that it might take a year to get a, you know, (laughs) it might take a year to get a, uh, a patent, but it took us four years and but the other, the other side of it that I should mention too, that's important. And what, to your point is, no, I, I didn't just sit on my ass. You're right. I didn't just have a good idea. You know, I didn't ha- just have a good invention. Uh, it was much more than that. And the, the other side of it was the fact, A, that I did something about it and kept trying to move that ball along, even though if I did so a little reluctantly here and there. And then the second part of that is I filmed everything. I documented I documented everything. I have the first set of shipments of slingshots that ever came to my garage in Woodland, California, all the way till now. We have a slingshot world headquarters in West Sacramento. Um, I've documented all of it and all of it's on YouTube and you can see, you can see the whole, you can see the whole evolution and that's exactly what happened. People followed along. And so that's why there was, you know, Gary V says, um, attention is the asset. I already had attention. And then I, and then I created an asset. And so the two things, they came together really quickly. And I think people were appreciative and they were like, shit, I'll buy stuff from this guy. This guy has been giving me free information for the last four or five years. Yeah. Why wouldn't I at least take a crack at buying his $40 slingshot and maybe buy a pair of his wrist wraps? Like I, I probably should. Cause I've been, you know, gaining a bunch of knowledge on how to bench squat and deadlift from him. So I should give back, you know, that type of thing. So that, that was the other, other side of it that uh, I left out of there. Yeah. What I hope is, is resounding through the audience as they hear that story is there's a lot that you just shared that applies to success in general, whether or not someone has a unique idea. Like you happen to apply those principles to inventing a unique product that didn't previously exist. But honestly, it wouldn't have been any different if you had gotten a loan officer's license and decided to do mortgages. Stay the course, be diligent. It's okay to have a bad day, but don't drift away too long. It's kind of like the gym. You know, take a day off. Okay, whatever. Take a month off. Yeah, you're losing some momentum, right? Um, and, and giving value, building, recipro- building like a, an energy of reciprocity where essentially the, the world almost does owe you something, but not because you've been selfish, but because you've been selfless. And there is a balancing over time. Um, and I know. think the world, the, world will, the world will give you what you, what you put into it, you know? So <laughs> it may not necessarily, like, uh, it may not owe you anything, but I mean, I haven't, I haven't seen it happen yet. I haven't seen someone, I haven't seen someone put out a lot of positivity and and put out a lot of effort and literally get nothing back i i have never seen it and something i like to mention to a lot of people that are listening is i've never met one person that doesn't possess the ability to get stronger so in in all my years of 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 training people and all my years of being a coach in all my years of i've seen thousands upon thousands of people lift white black, Asian, male, female, young, old, short, skinny, fat, you name it. I've seen them. And I have never met one person that doesn't possess the ability to get a little stronger. I never met one person that can't go from doing one push up 
to being able to do two push-ups. I never met one person that can't walk to the mailbox that can't later on in life, uh, you know, walk to the telephone pole down the street. So you can make, you can make progress. It's, it's, it's a fascinating thing. And I think it's, I think this is what keeps me up at night because I'm like, I don't want to fucking sleep. And I know that sleep is part of progress. Right. I, I know that, you know, I study all this stuff as well, but I, I, I feel like I'm wasting my time. I'm like, do I need eight hours? Like, can I get, can I do five and a half and can I spend the rest, uh, you know, working on myself? But we all know that we need reprieve and we need to, you know, relax and calm down and all that stuff is really important. But for anyone that's feeling like they're stuck, anyone that's feeling like they're down and out feeling like they're not going to be able to do it. I've never met one person that doesn't possess the ability to learn. So for myself where I bought this story that I was dumb because I was put in these particular classes, I was only, I was only like behind, I guess you'd say, uh, some other kids in school which isn't really a big deal because there's so many different ways to learn and school teaches you one particular way. I just happen to not be very gifted at that one particular way, but I didn't really know that even though my parents were there to kind of tell me that my parents let me know, but you know, when you're a teenager and you're yeah. a kid, you don't want to hear it from your, you don't want to hear it from your parents, but everyone possesses the ability to learn. And also out of all the scientists, out of all the people in the world that, have such a crazy wealth of information, no one can put a cap on what you can learn and know. I think that's fascinating. I think that's amazing. You know, anyone can, you can learn infinite. There, somebody wouldn't be able to tell you, hey, you can only learn 1,400 things in your life and then it's, that's it. They don't know. Nobody knows. Yeah, that's, that's really, really profound. And, and I, uh, I love, you know, I hope, Again, I, I want these, I, I started this podcast, the show, because I wanted people to hear it from not just me. That like, you know, talent's cool. Intelligence is cool. Frankly, they're both pretty overrated in the grand lexicon of like, what does it take to be successful? You know, my dad was dyslexic and couldn't, like literally didn't finish his MBA because he was like, you know, and, and yet he became a, you know, money manager, managed money for billionaires. And like, there's people in that industry who go, you can't do that without an MBA. And he's like, look, I'm dyslexic. School's not my gig. But uh, persistence, tenacity, I mean, it's, they're cliches, but they're not. They're not, they're just as relevant to entrepreneurial and business success as they are to the gym. Nobody thinks that consistency is a cliche in the gym. So why is it a cliche anywhere else? It's not. It's actually the X factor. You remind me of my friend. I have a, I have a friend who invented the Breathe Right strip, you know, that goes on your nose. Oh, yeah, those things rock. Yeah, I use, I use them. Tell them tell that I use them. I will. I actually, as we're talking, I'm like, man, I need to have, his name's Bruce. I need to have Bruce on the show. Um, but he spent six years inventing this stupid little piece of rubber, you know, cloth and tape. With a, with a plastic spine, six years tinkering in his basement to solve his own snoring problem. You know, two, two and a half billion dollars. I think it sold, the brand sold to Glaxo for $2.1 billion or something. Like, <laughs> but, but how many people want to bench more, want to deal with shoulder pain, but they don't, they don't convert that into, into consistent action over time. And here's the thing, there's a lot of people that take action. They take massive action. 
They're in the gym every January 1st, taking massive action on the heel of their New Year's resolution. But where are they in March? And where are they in August? And where are they seven years from now? You know, can they say like you, I only missed four workouts in the last few years? No, you know, and my buddy that did the Breathe Right Strip, you, I mean, people have these big ideas all the time. So, so what is it, man? What this, you know, because ultimately if I could say this is what this show is about, it's trying to figure out what is it about the people who do it that differentiates them? Because if we can figure that out, maybe we can bottle it and serve it to everyone and everyone can have the life they want. What is it about you that made you the guy that would do it? Because you're probably not the first with this idea. Right. I, I would say that, um, you know, a big, a big factor is just putting one foot in front of the other, because as I mentioned in the very, you know, in the middle or beginning of the podcast, um, you have to prove yourself to yourself consistently, you know, constantly. Um, you have to prove to yourself that you can do it. You know, part of doing a power thing, I mean, it's actually really interesting because, you know, in a squat, you get judged by like the certain depth that you're supposed to go to. Your hip crease is supposed to be below your knee, right? Mm -hmm. But what I always taught my lifters was just go out there and just pretend like you know what you're doing, <laughs> you know? Show these guys a pretty squat on, on, on the first go of it. And the second one, the third one, if I'm being totally honest with you, they can be a little higher than the than the first one, huh. if if you know if you kind of if you, if you learn if, if you learn how to uh, if you learn how to play the game. But you know, do, doing things and, and and figuring out a way to uh, you know gain momentum off of that first thing that you do, gain momentum off that first squat, gain momentum off of the fact that you can say, you know what, uh, today was kind of a crap day, but I did. I did walk for two miles. Like that's pretty cool. And that's, and if I, and if I look back, you know, two years ago, I wouldn't even, I, you know, my knee always bothers me. I wouldn't even thought to have walked that far. So it, just doing those little things, they add up a lot greater than, than we think. I, I really like uh, stoicism and I like some of the stuff that comes from people like uh, Ryan holiday and Tim Ferriss. Um, the obstacle is the way, you know, is, is a really, an amazing passage, but it basically, it kind of states that uh, what stands in the way becomes the way. The uh, impediment to action advances. At, the impediment to action, I'll say it again. The impediment to action advances action. That's what made me the guy that did it is because I, ha I had an impediment. I had something in the way. The idea is dumb. You're dumb. I took some action on it the action gave me a little bit of positive feedback. And the crazy thing is statements like that have been made, you know, thousands of, upon thousands of years ago, but now there's scientific evidence of this. So that when you, you know, it, this is going to create, uh, this is going to ingrain certain circuitry in your brain and certain hormones in your brain to be released to where your body's going to be like, that's more important for you to do that than it is to not do that. And so by you like, you know, sitting around or whatever, your body's going to be like, dude, don't sit around, go for it. Cause remember what happened last time when we went for it, something really cool happened. So you need to go for it again and you need to go for it again. You need to go for it again and so on. So that's what I would say for people to really try to just remember is that the impediment to action advances action. That little whisper in your ear that tells you to sit down on the couch and tells you just to relax and, and tells you that the day is over. Say, no, 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 
<laughs> you know, that, that little thing that says, hey, you don't need to do your, your 10 minute walk for today or you don't need to, you don't need to eat right for today because let's, let's face it, let's face it, today was a really tough day, right? Today was really hard. It was a really long day. It was a really long week. It's Friday, dude. You should enjoy yourself. Have a brownie. Have some ice cream. Just fucking sit down. Just relax. Don't. When you feel that, when you feel that start to slide in, you need to ask yourself, why is that there? It's probably because there's some sort of fatigue. You didn't get enough sleep. Your training's off. Something's probably a little bit off. But lean into that and say, you know what? That's my cue to put my shoes on and to go outside and go for a run. Or that's my cue to put my shoes on and go for a walk. I'm not saying that you need to be a maniac 24-7. Because I certainly don't want anyone to be living their lives with more anxiety than they need to. But you, you know in your heart, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And you know what's right for you. And you know what's you, – you should be able to – it will be hard sometimes. But you should be able to figure out what's a little bit more difficult for you today than what you did yesterday or the week before, but also what's reasonable. You know, you, you, can't, you can't be away from your wife and family for, you know, weeks on end because you're, you're trying to advance yourself and you're trying to be better, right? That's probably not the most conducive thing towards your marriage, towards your, right? So it, it has to still be within, re- it has to be reasonable. And you'll know, you'll know when you like really, you know, screwed yourself over and went too hard and and plus if you have a good significant other they'll they'll give you that look i know that you've gotten that look before and and the talk of like hey listen i know you're trying to you know you get put in your place by your old lady right yeah i uh i i love what you're saying and you know to me i think and and i deal perhaps you deal with this i mean I, i assume you deal with a lot of people that are trying to transform their physical life um, I deal with a lot of people that are trying to transform their professional life, whether it's their actual financial life or what they have to do to get money. Um, and, and very often what I find is that the ultimately the impediment is just a lack of simplicity. Because what you just said is not a, it's not a complicated idea. It's like progressive resistance, but don't go, don't go so hard you set yourself back. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not some super, you know, rocket science level idea, but what makes it a complex idea, what makes it a difficult idea to, to put into practice is when there's all this other complexity in your life. So that can't be your fundamental operating principle because there's too many competing agendas at any given time. Like, well, I'm a part of too many clubs or I have too many friends or I'm, you know, I'm trying to juggle too many balls. And so I can't, I don't have the luxury of being guided by this very simple and effective principle that Mark just expounded. And, and in that sense, you know, my, I guess my prescription is to, you know, first of all, add by subtracting, remove things from your life. I mean, at the end of the day, being healthy is just what's left over when you stop doing crap that's bad for you. Right. Being effective is what's left over when you stop doing ineffective crap. Right. Um, yeah, walk, you know, walk, try to get eight hours of sleep, which I mentioned I'm not great at. Um, maybe you walk two or three times a day, you know, try two or three 10-minute walks. That's going to kill some time right there. We need to occupy our mind. We need to occupy yeah. our day. We need to fill our, fill our plate up with so much shit that there is nothing left over to do that would be bad. Uh, eating a lot of protein is something that can be really beneficial. Whether you eat a lot of carbs or whether you eat a lot of fat, I mean, pick your energy source. 
but your protein isn't really much of an energy source. Your protein uh, goes a little bit more towards sustaining the current muscle mass that you have and maybe even going towards some additional, additional muscle mass uh, that you might be you know, try, try, trying to gain. Uh, and then also just staying hydrated, drinking enough water. You, know, you start to implement a lot of that, those principles. Maybe, I'm not saying this is helpful for everybody, but maybe you try a little bit of intermittent fasting. Maybe uh, try to just miss out on, on breakfast maybe. Mm-hmm. And try to conclude your day uh, of eating uh, two hours prior before you go to bed. Now you have a twelve or fourteen. Now you have twelve or fourteen hours where you're not eating. The rest of the day is concentrated around your work, your exercise, um, and you know, obviously getting in, getting in in the gym. Now your day is so occupied, you don't have time to really eat a bunch of junk. You could still have some junk, but you could see how it can be a lot less intrusive and a lot less negative because you don't have time for nearly as much of it. Yeah. And you know, another thing too is I would, it's okay to, to um, it's okay to, I think it's okay to like knock yourself down here and there. I think it's okay to have a little bit of negative self-talk, but you can't ever hit a downed opponent. So you can say to yourself, oh man, that's the third night in a row of drinking. Like, dude, you know what? You, you need to, but you don't need to call yourself a loser. You don't need to say, hey man, you're a bag of shit. Like, why are you doing that? Say it once and try to make a change and, and, and work on that habit interruption. But I think all of us need to, all of us, everybody, doesn't matter how successful you are. We all need to podcast with ourselves. You need to interview yourself. Mm. And we are doing that, but I don't think we're giving ourselves good enough answers. And I don't think we're asking good enough questions because we're going to avoid the tough questions. Every time, every time you know, the opportunity comes to... Uh, lean a little bit towards our monkey brain of uh, going towards satisfaction, going towards sex, pornography, drugs, any of these things. You're like, yup, yup, <laughs> yup. And it's like, no, man, like just, yes, sometimes. Okay, I get it. We, we all have urges, but, uh, you know, you, you need to be able to get done what you want to get done in this world. You know, and I, the fact that you play music is great because, there's a great uh, saying that I'm sure came from somebody else, but I heard it from Les Brown. I don't want to die with a lot of music in my heart. And that's why I get out a lot of these inventions. That's why I have, still have a lot more creations that I, that I have uh, with, my, with my company because I don't want to be, you know, a graveyard is a graveyard of ideas that mm-hmm. people never fulfilled. Hopes and dreams. They're all just buried right there, you know, as morbid as that is. All just buried right there with all those people and because they, they never... They never set. They never set them out into the world, and it's not. It's not easy. It's not easy to get them set out in the world. But I think it's definitely worth pursuing. So, with the spirit of how you do one thing is how you do everything, and, and again, I'm I'm personalizing, basically, you know, saying this largely based on my own experience. I like I said, I know what a superior human I am when I'm on point with my fitness relative to when I'm not. So therefore, I know that probably the most important thing I can do in my life, and my wife would tell you the same thing. She'd be like, I, I'm not even sure I want to be married to like fat, unhealthy Jeff. Like I like, the, I like the version of him that takes care of himself. I know that the most important thing I can honestly probably do in my life is be consistent about that part of my life. Most people in, instinctively know that they would be a much better version of themselves if they were consistent about that part of the, their lives 
right? I mean, you, you, you work with fitness more than I do, but I mean, do you ever get people that are like fighting you on the idea that it would be good for them? I doubt it, right? No, no. Everybody understands that consistency so, is the key, but they're, yeah, they're, they're trying to look for a magic pill that helps in the consistency. And I think the one thing that makes consistency so difficult is you are going to have times that you don't want to do it. And then you have to kind of make a decision. But what I've learned, what's been really useful to me is try to break things down into smaller jobs. I think it was Henry Ford who said, there's no job that's too hard or too great when it's broken down into simpler parts. So if you break things down, I mean, he, he created the assembly line. Yes, right. building a car sounds overwhelming. But if I said, Jeff, hey, you're, just res you're responsible for the nuts and bolts that go on the tire, you'd be like, okay fucking easy <laughs> you know right. sounds simple enough right so i think that is a key component I, i'm glad you brought that up is is having some sim simplicity to stuff for me when it comes to the gym i'm always like just go in there and do one body part you know just just dude just it's it's my brain's going back and forth the other side of me saying oh, you trained yesterday you trained the day before you've been training like a savage things have been going good you've been good with your diet you've been good with this you've been good with that but then the other side is saying just just go in there and do one just just go do shoulders how hard is it to do shoulders right just quick quick complaining you big baby yeah i know it's 110 degrees outside here in sacramento and my gym is very very hot this time of year but just convince yourself of the one thing and a lot of times i don't go in there and usually just do one body part or i don't only do uh three you know sometimes i'll say i'll just do three or four sets of something there's no way i would waste my time going into the gym only doing three or four sets of something i'm already there might as well do like eight or nine sets and get a real stimulus from it and get a full workout in. So that 10 minutes, that, that time that you convince yourself to go do something for 10 or 12 minutes, you'll probably end up doing it for 30 or 45 minutes. Yeah. So that, that was my question is like, given that we all agree that this, this is one thing that, that we have a hundred percent control over, by the way, that's another thing. There's no circumstantial block to like being active. We all agree it would be better off if we did it, you know, trying to pinpoint why, I mean, it's, a, it's, a, it's an epidemic of people not doing it. It's like willful self-destruction. From your vantage point, what is the thing stopping so many people from doing this hugely obvious thing that would better their lives? I think that maybe in their own mind, they have set up too many roadblocks and Sometimes they may look at someone like yourself or they may look at me or they may look at somebody that looks amazing like a Michael Hearn and they might think that's not for me. I'll never look that way. I'm not, I'm not a fitness guy. I'm not a bikini girl or whatever. I'm not, you know, they, they so set up some barriers for themselves and usually the first barrier kind of starts with intimidation of I'll never be built like some of those people. I'll never be strong like some of those people. I don't have time for that is another one that you hear. But people tend to set up these barriers and these roadblocks. But I think that a really healthy thing to think about is that in order to exercise and to exercise frequently, you don't necessarily need to work out. I think that would be a great revelation for a lot of people to come to exercise just move so if i said hey did you get if i said hey did you work out today you'd be like nah man i didn't get an opportunity to but if i said hey did you exercise today you would say actually i took a couple of calls today and i think i probably walked 
Like, oh, let me check my phone. Oh, yeah, I walked 20,000 steps. Like, I got some exercise in. Mm-hmm. Or I went somewhere with my kids or I took them to the park or I did, you know, I played a little baseball today or, or something like that. So I think don't let's not try to make um, let's not try to make working out any harder than it needs to be and exercising any harder than it needs to be. Find something and maybe find something nostalgic. Maybe when you were a kid, you know, maybe you're in your 40s, maybe you're in your 50s and Maybe when you were a kid, you used to love to ride your bike. Maybe revisit that again. You know, go buy a nice bike. Go get a helmet. Go start cruising around. My dad is 70. My dad is 72 on Tuesday. He's like, every morning, he sends me a text. Rode 12 miles today. Rode 10 miles today. You know, 15 miles today. He sends me pictures. He's all hyped up. He's all excited. And he's somebody that nearly died four times. You know, he, he, he's been through a lot from a health standpoint many, many times over in his life. But, you know, I, I got him into walking a couple of years back and it just started with he and I walking around the block and he could barely make it. We had to stop a bunch of times, you know, when he would, when we would walk around the block, but then it got to the point where he could do the whole block. And then it got to the point where he was walking miles. He was walking miles and now he's riding his bike all over the place. So anyone, anyone can, can do it. Um, I think it's very hard though because people hear that they should do it and people know that they could do it. But to me, shoulds, woulds, and coulds, they're all acts of uh, coercion. And I think that anytime that you, you force yourself to do stuff, not anytime you force yourself to do stuff, but anytime you are forcing yourself to do stuff for external reasons that aren't your own, I think you've run into a problem. And I think that's where a lot of unhappiness can come from. So just make sure that it's your own, like make sure it's your own. What do you want? What, what would you like? You know, if, if maybe you don't really care to be like fit and look like a CrossFitter, but maybe you dropping 10 pounds would help you to be healthier. And maybe you can chase after your kids a little bit better. Maybe you can get out of your car a little bit easier. Maybe you can get up and down stairs without pain in your knees or without breathing hard or, or some of these things. You know, have your own goals for your own reasons. Don't worry about trying to, you know, do some cool selfie on IG or whatever it is. Right. You know, make sure, make sure it's your own, your own shit and that you feel really good about it. Yeah. You, you had a quote on your, speaking of Instagram, it was on your Instagram, ironically, where if I remember it right, it said something like if, if there was a drug that had the same side effects as social media, the FDA would pull it. Like it would be, it would be banned, you know, <laughs> it's like the psychological de- destruction of, of social media. So yes, I agree. Don't, don't make that your reason uh, for, for anything, certainly fitness or otherwise trying to impress anyone. Um, but I'll tell you why I asked the question because, you know, as an entrepreneurial educator and coach, I deal with, I feel like a very, a very, similar phenomenon of people saying, I I know I want to do this thing. I know my life would be better if I started my side hustle or if I started my blog or I gave voice or life to this thing that's been inside me for a long time or just created, you know, an off ramp of hope from my job that I hate, like whatever. And yet they don't do it. And so I was asking the question to, to answer the same question for myself, like why don't people do it? And I think you really nailed it. There's a real black and white perspective of like, I'm either all in doing it perfectly or I can't do it and I'll just do it tomorrow. And I mean, I remember my, my first uh, 
piano instructor used to tell me that he was, I was, he was flying somewhere and he would say something. I remember he just said this to me. I don't remember the exact context, but he's like, I'm going to practice on the plane. And I was like, there's a piano on the plane. And he said, no, no, I just, I take my music and I practice in my mind while I'm on the plane. And it hit me like, yeah, you just, and that's, that was when I was young. It made an impression. You just do what you can with what you have based on what's important to you. And, uh, and in that sense, you know, somebody could entrepreneur five minutes a day, right? It doesn't mean they have to have their three monitor set up and their perfectly quiet home office and the kid, you know, the babysitter takes the kids out so they can focus and, con- you know, you just do what you can with what you have. And, and I think that's, um, you know, doing that consistently over time is, is kind of the recipe. Fitness, business, marriage, you know, don't have a lot of money, light a candle and eat ramen on the floor. Like just do what you can with what you have. Right. Yeah. I also think that, uh, having something to prove sometimes is, is important. And this is, this is where you get into some really weird philosophical things, but, um, being, being a person that being, being a person that bought a story that I was dumb and, and I attached myself to that. Then I also thought, Hey, no one thinks you can do it, you know? And, and that wasn't really, that's not, that's not reality. I mean, you hear when a team wins a super bowl every year, they're like, nobody thought we can do it. And it's like, why wouldn't anybody think you can do it? You're a professional football team. You're one of 30 teams and right, right. you got just as much chance as the next, uh, you know, and you have Tom Brady on your team or whatever it is, you know? Um, but I think, Sometimes that that uh, narrative in in your head of no one thinks I can do it, but I'm gonna I'm gonna show them it, some of that stuff sometimes, and I, I, it's not a great it's not a great motivating factor for long term. I don't think I don't think it's a great route to go, but it did work pretty well for Michael Jordan. But sometimes yeah. a little bit of that, like I'm gonna show you guys, I'm gonna stick it to you. You think I'm dumb? I'm gonna kind of shove this back in your face type of thing. Uh, I think it can help. I think it can at least help with a little bit of a spark and it can help, but I would just caution against getting too caught up in that because you're never going to be happy. You know, every time you, every time you have something, you're going to feel like you need something else. And still at any moment, someone can still say that you're an idiot or still say that you're dumb. And, uh, you didn't really, you didn't necessarily solve the problem of, of not worrying about what somebody else thinks of you any in the first place, you know? So, but I do think that um, that is something that separates out one person that actually does it is they feel like they have something to prove and it's really not to other people. That's kind of the trick of it. I think it's, I think it's really to yourself. Yeah, I, I feel you. I know that um, when I, when I started online, I, I joined this affiliate marketing program and I didn't know it at the time, but I found out later there were about 40,000 members in this, in this program. Um, I just knew, I knew there were thousands. I just didn't know what the actual number was. And, and I remember I had, I had this debt that I had to try to pay off because um, I lost the restaurant and it my whole story. But long story short, I had to make the amount of money that the top five people in that program were making or else I would not be able to pay off the debt. I had the government coming after me, the IRS, the bank, the lawyers. Like it was, it was all or nothing. It was e- either I'm in the top five or I might as well not even bother. And um, 
you know, there were 40,000 people in the program. And, and which I, but it was, it was, it was like, it was this attitude of like, nobody thinks, everybody thinks I'm screwed right now. And there's really no good objective evidence to support that I'm not. But what will it mean to the rest of my life if I can pull this off, you know? And to me, that sounds like you with the shirt. And by the way, one thing I have to say, one, one little detail of your story that I don't want to gloss over is the moment when you walked in the gym and you gave, and I've, I've done, totally done this before, you give the guy the wave. Like, like, oh yeah, hey, just going to lift, you know? Like, I belong. And I, I, I say all the time, like, if you act like you belong, people assume you do, right? Um, but that, there's a little bit of that, like, you know, fake it till you make it, be it till you see it, like, like confidence, swagger a little bit that, you, you know, think about it. Your whole thing could have been derailed if they'd stopped you right yeah, there. If I was apprehensive. Yeah, yeah. If I was yeah, apprehensive, like, well, or didn't I can't have... go test it out. Cause I don't have, I'm not a member of that gym. Your entire yeah, life story experience. could have been different. <laughs> you know, a hundred percent. And I think, uh, you are, whatever your reality is, it's very real to you. You know, the kid that drops his ice cream cone and he's crying, you know, and, and, and you're just thinking, well, I have an extra couple bucks in my pocket to buy you a new one. You know, <laughs> for that moment, that's like, that's reality. That kid is his, you know, the, the top of his ice cream cone fell on the ground. You know, he can't, he gets super, super upset. So your perception of things is reality. And even weirder than that is, each person has a different perception of who you are and you have a different perception of who you are. So there's only, you know, there's, there's multiple copies, you know, people talk about like a multiverse and things can get really weird, but stuff like that. But there already is a multiverse because there's, there's uh, thousands of different versions of you. Each person that hears you has a different interpretation of what you mean when you say it and when they take notes about it and when they think back about it, so, and some people are going to be like, man, I really loved when he said this. And somebody else is not even going to realize that you said that, you know, your wife's perception of you, your kid's perception of you, my perception of it. I mean, it's just, it's absolutely crazy. But I do think it's, it is important that you do act like you belong. You know, I, I've always, I've always felt, I've always felt very, um, I've always felt very fortunate and I always felt very wealthy and I would say that I always felt very rich, even without, even without the money, even, even when I've had times in my life where I was really broke, you know, where I had, would go to my bank account and it would say insufficient funds, or it'd be like minus 27 bucks, you know, because I overdraft fees or whatever. Right. And we, me and my wife and I almost uh, lost our house years ago. And today we actually just got a text just now. We just bought our fifth home. We bought a house and South Lake Tahoe. So, you know, your, your shit can turn around, you know, your shit can turn around. It, it's going to, it's going to take a long time. It's going to take, um, it could take years. It could take decades. It could take a really long time for you to be able to turn it around. But I think that if you, if you behave as if you deserve it, then you'll be it. You will get it. You will receive it. Um, you know, it's kind of like, uh, um, you know, you're, you're, you're acting as if, as if you know, it's coming your way, you know? And I, I always kind of felt that I, I don't, I don't think I had an arrogance about me for that, but you know, maybe somebody else, somebody else thinks that of me, but 
I, I just felt like I could figure it out. I remember from the time I was a kid, I was always very fascinated with money. And I remember I would tell my dad, I was like, I'm going to live in a castle one day. You know, <laughs> my dad's a real estate agent. So, um, you know, I'd tell him that and he would laugh and, but he would, he would play into it. He would be like, Oh, that's awesome. You know, like, he's like, how big is it going to be? Or, you know, is it going to have a moat? You know, like rather than, rather than him telling me you can't do it, you know, he'd be like, is there going to be like uh, alligators in the moat or something like that? You know? And so, uh, yeah, I, I think dreaming big and, uh, kind of acting as if you've been there before, I think is, uh, is all definitely part of it. Well, I think there's a, especially for as parents, there's a lesson in what you just said about how your dad responded to you. Um, well, listen, I, I, I hate to even say it, but unfortunately, I think we're, we're both out of time. Uh, I'm, I know I am. I shouldn't speak for you. I, I, I got to end this. But, uh, you know, I feel like lessons from the, from the school of iron, man, like there's just something so, it sounds so dorky, but it's, there's like something so spiritual about pushing really heavy shit against gravity, like. And I'm, I'm jealous, man. I'll never well, lift a thousand pounds of anything, but I'm jealous, man. <laughs> well, and the people that are listening, uh, you know, it could be any other form of resistance. They could be yeah. doing uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu or martial art or uh, just, you know, going on a bike, uh, climbing a rock or just any of it. I mean, just, I think just get out there and uh, challenge yourself physically, mentally, a little bit of challenge every single day in your life. It should definitely be something that you're looking for. Amen. So how can people uh, enroll in your world if they want more of this epicness or if they want to buy something from you? Tell, tell us uh, both of those options for people. Yeah, I have a website. Uh, it's called markbell.com and that has a lot of fitness information on me. It shows my current workouts, uh, shows some of my philosophy as well. Um, and then also I have a YouTube channel, which is uh, Mark Smelly Bell. And uh, the YouTube channel is kind of the same deal. You'll see so, some of my workouts. You'll see uh, some of the entrepreneurial stuff that we talked about here today. Um, I talk a lot about diet. I talk a lot about philosophy. And um, in addition to that, if you want to go buy some stuff, you can go check out markbellslingshot.com. Thanks so much, man. This is uh, really great. And it's, it's fun to get on podcasts like this. And it's fun to hear you mention uh, how I've been relatable to you in terms of previous guests that you had, because I find that to be very true on my own podcast where um, somebody says something and I'm like, two weeks ago, somebody said like pretty much the same thing. You know, you keep hearing the same themes and yeah. probably the reasons why we're attracted to each other in the first place because we have, we're like-minded and we have some uh, confirmation bias uh, go, going on here. But, right, right. Uh, it, is, it is awesome to kind of be, uh, you know, part of this circle of just seems like, tons of positivity uh, being spit out. And I, I hope uh, your viewers and listeners uh, enjoyed it and got something from it today. Yeah. A amen. I, I couldn't agree more. And, and I have found, you know, I've done, I don't know, this is probably episode 75 or 80, you know, my show is only a few months old, but when they say success leaves clues, I mean, they're not kidding. Like the themes are always the same. It's like, it's like Hollywood movies. There's really only like seven movies. I read some book one time about the art of storytelling. There's only like seven stories, you know, and you just change the characters and the settings and all this stuff. That's kind of, there's like only a few vari variations on success and the gym, you know, lifting, 
piano playing, business, you know, I don't know, elite athletic, elite anything. It's all, I, I, I just assume it, you know, racing cars. I'm sure if I can ever get, uh, you know, an elite NASCAR driver on my show, I guarantee you it'll all be like 90% of it'll all be the same. You know, it's like the genetic code between chimpanzees and, Houston, and humans. There's all these tiny little variations. Anyway, thank you so much, man. This has been tremendous. Um, I want to let the audience know we actually put a little uh, special gift together um, in recognition of Mark showing up for us. This is like, like I said, I've been fan geeking this whole time. Uh, if you go to millionairesecrets.com forward slash Mark B, uh, you can download a free copy of our book, The Millionaire Shortcut, which teaches you the fastest way to become a millionaire in the new digital economy and frankly builds on a lot of the principles that we've just expounded here. It's a quick read. Uh, make sure you grab that. And Mark, I just want to say thanks again for being a guest on Millionaire Secrets. This has been great. I appreciate it. My gym is free. It's a uh, it's super training gym. Just come and look us up uh, between on, on Saturday and Sunday from uh, nine o'clock until one. Uh, it's in West Sacramento, California. Come, come train with us at some point. Um, just any of your listeners that are listening to this, all that we require is just that you just please shoot us an Instagram message. Uh, and that's, uh, the super training gym on Instagram, just so we just, just so we know that you're coming. Cause sometimes we have kind of a lot of people and also you'll have to wait until this, uh, whole thing of COVID yeah. blows over here in California, which might be forever. So who knows? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's super cool. I, I hope everyone heard that. It's a free gym. That's, those aren't two words you usually hear paired together. So I think that's amazing, man. Um, all right. Well, thank hey, you. Thanks again. Yeah, and thanks to the audience out there. Appreciate you always. We'll see you on the next one. You just finished this episode of the Millionaire Secrets Podcast. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please like and share this episode and do leave us a review. Let us know how we impacted you today. Your next step toward creating your awesome life is to join me and thousands of others in the Entra Nation community where you'll receive free training, networking with other awesome life seekers, access to live events, discounts, merchandise, and other awesome perks. Head over to www.entranation.com. That is www.entrenation.com and join us today. And of course, do please follow me on social media. I can be found on all the major social networks at Jeff Lerner Official. Thank you again for listening and please go be awesome.